first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Alright, so it's time to start talking about the Pigeon Classic. For those who are unfamiliar, uninitiated, perhaps, you don't know what the Pigeon Classic is, allow me to explain. This will be the third annual Pigeon Classic FPS charity event. We do this every fall. We are compelled by the Drowned God Katala to get as many frags and jibs as humanly possible in the name of charity and goodwill. So this year, we will be raising money for the Florence Nightingale Foundation. Uh, as we did, we did this a while back, May or something. We did a little event for them, but this one will be much bigger and better. The, the deal with the Pigeon Classic is if you are going to participate in one of the events, you must donate at least $1 USD to our charity of choice. That's just how it bees, uh, because otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be very charitable. <laughs> but yeah, just to encourage that. And yeah, we'll have four events, uh, probably more to come. This could get bigger as time goes on. We got a lot of time until, you know, the end of October, but we've got Doom 2. Open Survival Marathon, that will be uh, basically just Friday Night Survival, but with a protected server so that only people who donate can join. It's epic. If you didn't see last year's, it was the most fun. Then we're going to have a an exhibition in Warfork for Bomb. We'll also be having an open King of the Hill in Warfork. These will probably take place on Saturday. And then the Sunday... We'll have a diabolical open celebrity shootout. And what does that mean? I'm not going to tell you too much yet, but we've got some pro players, and I mean pro pro players, who will uh, take on all challengers, and you just have to donate to challenge them. During the event, as in on the stream, uh, we, the casters, there will probably be some really cool casters, I'm hoping, that we can uh, cut those deals and get that announced to you as soon as possible. But we will be setting goals for the charitable donations. And as we reach those goals, I have literally hundreds of Steam keys to amazing games from, you know, people who have been on the show, people who you know we're associated with, that kind of thing. Uh, we're going to give those out to people uh, to encourage donation. And also, it's just going to be fucking awesome. So, Definitely be there at the stream, if not just to watch and participate and all that shit, then maybe you'll get a fucking badass couple of games out of it or something. That's going to be really cool. We'll also be donating all of our merch profit that weekend. So between when it starts and when it ends, all of it, every bit of it, t-shirts, masks, whatever, all going towards the charity. So that's going to be a lot of fun. 
Hope you guys uh, tune in for that. It'll be streamed on all of our, you know, shit. It, it's going to be epic. I'm super stoked. This is definitely going to be the biggest one we've done yet, but all in the name of charity and goodwill. So keep that in mind. And now let's talk about this week's episode. So we are joined by Robert Raulis and Miko Tamper. These guys are the amazing developers behind one of the coolest demos that I've played in fucking forever. It's called White Hell, and we're going to get all into it, but basically it's a retro FPS. It's got sci-fi, it's got fantasy, it's got Finnish mythology, it's got beer, it's got 3D Realms references, like there's Lo Wang and Duke Nukem shit. You know, it's hilarious, and it's it's just so good. I don't want to spend a lot of time just sitting here trying to sell it to you. I'll let these guys do it for themselves because they're both amazing and well-spoken individuals. I just uh, really want you to get your ass over to their Steam page and download the demo and wishlist it and buy that shit when it comes out because, God, this is such a cool game. Music this week is from the White Hell original soundtrack. It was created by Hakita of Ultra Kill. So that's the kind of thing you can expect from this bad boy. But, you know, without any further ado, let's get in the key with Robert and Nico. So howdy, my, my name is Mikko, I'm the 3D artist and level designer and, uh, well, animator as well. I do generally all of the art in our game. Yeah, and I'm Robert, uh, I do all of the other stuff, or almost like uh, programming and particle effects and sound effects and that kind of stuff. White Hell is, I'm kind of blown away by it, I... I'm going to kick myself in the head for ever, probably till the end of time for not including this in Realms Deep when I had the chance, because I I did not realize how far along you guys were uh, when it came up. So if you'll please accept my apology and know that I do absolutely fucking love this game and I want to promote the shit out of it as much as I can. Don't like, worry, man. It's fucking dope. Like I, I played through all of the demo in one sitting and then came back and played through it again. And it's it's as if you made a game especially perfectly to make me happy because it's got everything I want. It's got like the macho protagonist and he drinks beer for health. And it's got, you know... It, it starts off very simple. You know, it seems like it's just, you know, okay, kind of straightforward shooter with bad guys and you kill them. And then I think at the end of level three, there's like, okay, well, now there's going to be magic and shit too. Like, this is fucking awesome. You guys checked off all the, uh, the, you know, every little mark on my list. And I don't know. I just had such a great time and I really wanted to reach out to you guys. So, uh, how has it been? What's this whole process been like for you? Ooh. Well, it's been a it's been an interesting process to, to say the least. Because uh, uh, aside from some game jam games, we don't really have anything else to be mm. honest. And um, this is our yeah, first we're, proper we're project. Both, yeah, we're both pretty like uh, newbies when it comes to game design. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think I I've started like five projects, but they've all gone to like or they haven't gone beyond like a design document stage or some fucking around in an engine. So to start like a project that's actually going or start a project that has actually gone this far is pretty surprising to me at least and uh yeah i'm happy that it has gone somewhere and got even a little bit of attention and like uh positive attention at that how old are we uh i'm 23 okay i'm i'm 30 uh, Amigo, you're from uh, like the south of Finland. Moment, yeah. because uh, we're studying here. But uh, I come from uh, I come ne- uh, from little town called Lappeenranta. It's next to the Russian border. I have a friend. Uh, you, you may have heard of him. He's a streamer. He does a lot of retro shit. And his name is Capelli, and he is also from that area i'm not sure if it's the same town but you guys share the the same like accent which is really i don't know it's funny because you almost sound like you're from texas and not quite <laughs> from europe it's it's really easy to pick up on though. oh has no one <laughs> ever told you this before uh, no no i have no idea it's probably because of howdy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man it's cool but yeah so you guys are both uh, like jumping into this for the first time, like uh, so, pro job. You're 23, and you've had like what you said five projects you haven't finished, and then yeah, you know, something like that. But they're or like very small. A, a late bloomer here, I guess. Into the game dev scene. Well, before I started the before before we went to this to this game design school, basically, I have I had no developer experience. I had some experience with 3D modeling, but not a whole lot. And I kind of just kicked the whole thing into overdrive once I got into the school. And uh, I've been kind of pushing myself a lot because, uh, well, I really want to work in the industry. I really, really want really want to. And uh, it's gone to the point where I could start, start skipping 3D classes because there's not much I could actually learn from there, to be honest. So what... What was like the inspiration that made you like decide, you know, at this time in your life that that's what that's the direction I want to go. I want to like start my dream now. Well, I mean, well, it's been like uh, maybe around eight years, uh, eight years ago, maybe about around that time, to be honest. It's like um, I, I had this really shitty job, basically, mm-hmm. and uh. I was basically working as a man, and I was just wondering, it would be so cool if I could, if I could actually do something I actually love doing, and not this. This, I mean, it was an okay job back then. Uh, it was basically a really easy money, but not, nothing really like groundbreaking or anything. But uh, then I noticed, oh, game design schools are actually a thing in Finland. I had no idea. How do I apply this? I'm gonna try and apply, and I just couldn't get in. And it's just like, okay, how do how do I get in? Uh, I'll I'll basically I'll basically decide it then. Okay, I'm gonna go to go to the what would you call it in English? Uh, Entrance exams. Uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, adult college, basically. 
mm-hmm. because I uh, I have like uh, before this I have like two two, two different professions and uh, neither of them really clicked for me. But the night basically just said, okay, I'm gonna go to this ev- well, kind of this evening college. It's basically mostly consisting of uh, people of my age and older. And I was just okay. I'm gonna just keep beating my head against the wall till I get in. And uh, I finished that. I did get my. Uh, I did finish that uh, evening college basically. And uh, when I did, at the same time, I got into the game design school, and I was like, what? This is not happening. And now I'm here. <laughs> That's where the conversation gets interesting. So you guys uh, met in school, I assume? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much the first year. That's awesome. So how long have you been going now? Uh, this is the last year. So it's been uh, about three years now, I think. Yeah. And so... When you, when you met, did you immediately like know that you were going to be working on a game together, or just like how did that kind of uh, come together? Well, it wasn't long. I, I think because we started like the idea progress or process of White Hell in early 2018, so like half a year after we started school. Uh, but that was kind of like started out as a joke, like, "Hey, it would be fun to make like a retro shooter," because I had been playing them for a couple of months at that time, just like playing through the old old Wolfensteins and Dooms and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then Mick also liked those kind of games, so I can't really remember whose idea it was to like start working on a real game. But it just kind of came together, and then we made some random models, and uh, I started learning Unreal in the spring, and that's kind of just spiraled out into this thing. And did you know at that point, like, because you knew you wanted to make a retro shooter, but did you have the ideas and the themes like sort of laid out beforehand, or did they happen organically? Well, the... Uh... White hell concept, like hell has frozen over. Of course, mm-hmm. now it's the real world or like a post-apocalyptic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that concept was before the actual game. I just had this like idea, hey, it would be cool if hell was like a snowy place instead of this uh, generic fiery thing. Yeah. Uh, just as a random thought, like, hey, it would be fun to have like game or something in that kind of environment. And then it just kind of warped into this shooter thing. And because I didn't have like any other project I worked on at the moment, it just kind of came together. It's such a like compelling title, right? From the get go, I, re- I think I heard about this game originally from Hakita when he was on the show. This is like a while back, well before he was even with New Blood, and he just said that I, I guess he did some music for you guys. And yeah, he's out, the you know? main composer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of do know each other. We're real, so it kind of helps. I mean, it's a good friend to have. <laughs> Someone who's like really kind of blowing up right now, and to have them. Shouting out your game, you know, wherever they go, and yeah, 
Yeah, like no, go ahead. Sorry, it's uh, your show, not mine. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like I really have to give that guy a shout out because uh, well, I'm so I'm so grateful he's been giving a shout out and he's been helping us. And if, even though sometimes I don't see eye to eye with him in some things when we make games together, but uh, still he's a really amazing guy. And he knows he knows what he's talking about, and I'm so damn proud of that guy because he he he's made a it. very deeply opinionated person. Like he very much kind of has his own way and his own way of looking at things, his own style, and I could see how that might be like you know. There's a reason why he's kind of a solo dev, you know, even within New Blood, like he's working yeah. on his game. And then, you know, there, from what he explained to me, it's kind of like, you know, Dave will give his feedback, but overall he's still working on this game on his own. So, yeah, when he told me he was kind of doing this collaborative thing with you guys, even though it's just music, I can imagine, like, yeah, like what are some of the things that would pop up like that you would disagree on, maybe? We have very different ideas on, like, or I don't know. There's some secret secret stuff <laughs> I can't really talk about at the moment. But uh, let's take the crates for example. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, um, well, you played the demo, and you probably noticed that some boxes can be broken mm-hmm. and some not. It's like there's a where there is a there's a like texture that differentiates themselves and it's like the the boxes themselves are supposed to be somewhat like uh, mini secrets basically and they it's just if you keep your eyes out you're good at, you are going to see them but it's just uh, it's not it's not clear enough and so on that's what we have like uh opinions that differ it's kind of i've been kind of thinking about it a lot lately and uh well we haven't see, received a lot of feedback on that regard yet so we'll see I I can't imagine it's going to be a big deal. Yep. Man. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I can understand how that would be like something that he would point out and be like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. They either all have to be broken or not. Like, you have to make a decision. But I don't know. It's not like you're making an immersive sim here. This is a pretty straightforward FPS game. Like, there's not a whole lot going on. But it does sort of, in a lot of ways, for me at least, remind me of kind of the... Uh, the build engine and that, you know, there are some ed- environmental storytelling at the end of, uh, I believe level three, when you kind of have to like blow down the bridge to get across and all that. Oh yeah. That's actually what I thought when I was making that. It's just like, I was randomly reminded of, uh, some level in blood where you see one building in the background, just blowing up and basically just coming down. I really like those build explosions. They're just fun as all hell. And so can you guys kind of give the elevator pitch of like what is White Hell just in general from your own perspective? I guess I'd say it's a old school inspired FPS mm-hmm. with some sci-fi, cyberpunk and fantasy inspirations set in like a post-apocalyptic world. And uh, I don't know, it's it's kind of hard to like really get into the story because there isn't a lot of it mm-hmm. you just kind of survive in it in the world and go where you can i don't know Mick, do you have <laughs> anything else well 
Not really. I mean, you did put it all together, kinda. I mean, if I would describe the game, it's just, it's just, it's just a drunk fin, alcoholic Finnish man waking up in his toilet and kicking some ass while drinking beer and trying to look cool. Let's have Migo do the marketing. That sounded way cool. (laughs) 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 No, it's it's just like I can't believe how well you've captured kind of what you're going for here like that's we have to at some point get the conversation rolling about the whole game it's it it has all of the right parts of what you know like what makes it a retro fps like it even has you know like little throwback jokes to you know like duke nukem and low wang with the ktit logos sitting around and uh it just you know as you walk into every room there's a little joke or something like this and then I don't know. It has personality, which is very difficult for some people to capture in a game. And it seems like you have a pretty well thought out idea of who your protagonist is, which is not always the case in a first person shooter. So we got this guy and we have like little, you know, signs all over the place saying he's wanted for, you know, suspected communist or whatever the fuck it is. And, but he's, as you said, he's just this guy who woke up, you know, hung over and the world's fucking, gone to shit and he's just got to go kick some bad guy ass you know i love the sunglasses i love i love like the you know just in the poster that you guys have been posting around like this this feels like a pretty well thought out idea but what is the uh what is the swan symbolized i haven't picked up on that yet uh uh, how it's do, kinda, how much do we uh, want to how would we because it's it's it ties heavily into like finnish folklore mm-hmm. uh in the like later parts of the game, it's got some uh, big influences from like I don't know if you're aware of the Kalevala, which is, is the kind of like the um, uh, like the sagas the, from Iceland and Norway. The Water Maiden, the who is the the creation story where she like swims around for years, and, uh, years and then it, I believe like a swan or a goose or something helps her. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I mean, it, really strange, but like I l- literally just recently read that whole work. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, a lot of the like um, symbolism and that kind of stuff comes from that book, and uh, or people who were influenced by that book, like painters and uh, other writers. Mm-hmm. So the swan has something to do with that. It's a bit of a love and, letter to your home country, in a way. Uh, well, or maybe a hate letter. What is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 basically just taking ideas that aren't really seen in games that often, and then trying to use them in an interesting way. Because even though there's a lot of games from Finland, you know even big ones like Angry Birds or Clash of Clans, you don't really see that like uh, Finnish mythology anywhere. Yeah. Or it's it's very rare to see it. And it's just fun to name. have something else than just like Norse stuff or Greek stuff or something like that. I think that's excellent. I was... As I was reading, th- I read an entire book on just mythology and the different creation stories across the world. And that was one of the things is that Finland has its very unique kind of isolated 
you know, culture that is not, you know, so widely known in the rest of the world, as you, as you already stated, like the Greeks and the Norse and, uh, you know, the, most of the more popular world religions and cultures like seem to be fairly well represented, but it's very rare that anyone ever hears about the, the Finnish background and the Finnish culture itself. So I'm really happy that you're actually using that because it not only is it, you know, uh, maybe you don't want to call it a celebration of your homeland, but it's more like inspiration. Yeah. But it makes your game stand out and extremely unique in that regard. Yeah. Because it hasn't been done before. And that's fucking awesome. But you don't want to explain how it ties into the story yet. I get that because we haven't played the whole game. But Yeah, it's going to be more apparent in the later episodes or levels or whatever we're going to do with the structure. So how well at this point do you think that the demo represents what will be the finished product? Uh, Gameplay-wise, I'd say very well. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, you have to get the shooting and moving and NPCs and that kind of stuff uh, pretty finalized at this point to be sure that it can carry on for the whole game. Uh, but the like environments and uh, maybe the enemy designs and that kind of stuff will be very different in the later parts of the game. Uh, and basically you're gonna uh, find another faction in the post-apocalyptic world which we've been teasing about on our Twitter uh, which is kind of like a polar opposite to the current one and uh, then there's gonna be some other weird stuff that ties into the uh, magic things and mythology later in the game so it's gonna be like visually and aesthetically nor not maybe aesthetically but at least visually uh a lot more diverse than it is at the moment okay do you have a release schedule yet or is it just kind of when it's done well when it's done is usually a pretty good one for indies Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've been talking about like getting into early access within a year or something. That would mean having three quarters of the game complete or something around that. That's kind of actually unique that it would be in early access at three quarters of the way finished because, you know, a lot of people will go into early access with maybe, you know, a quarter or a third at most. So Yeah, yeah, well, my my personal philosophy on that is that... uh I wouldn't buy a game that's like even not even halfway finished if it was an early access. But I would buy a game if it was like almost complete. Because uh it's kind of a trust thing, you know. If I'm not sure that the devs are going to get the game ready, I still have like m- most of the game in my hands even though it's never going to be finished. So I I don't want to put that same amount of like uh, responsibility on the customers, or at least the perceived like trust thing. Yeah, it's just very tempting to try to like get as much funding as you can as early as possible, especially yeah, for indie. yeah, yeah. 
but are you are you doing any crowdsourcing like patreon or anything like that yet or well uh because we are in finland that's not gonna be a thing because our like uh laws don't allow it hmm. uh, crowdsourcing and that kind of stuff is very hard to do in finland it's it should um only thing we can do here is basically like pre-orders and that's a bit weird also when you're you can already do that on steam so uh early access is probably the only thing that's kind of a blessing and a curse on one hand it it keeps you motivated to just finish it quickly but on the other hand it like kind of sucks that you can't you know yeah develop that relationship with your audience early on i don't know i don't know how you get around that other than just uh turn out the best fucking game you possibly can yeah well there you got the motivation so I really like all, all the, there, there's nothing quite like super special about the weapons yet or anything, but it's just, they all feel quite good and they all kind of fit as, as you place them in the game, even they kind of fit the story. Well, you know, when you, you pick up the sniper rifle immediately, you guys did a great job of uh, confronting the player with something, you know, a combat scenario that would make it useful. So I dig all that, but what's, Quite interesting to me is that you know the after level three you start to get these uh the magical weapons and you you have the the sword which seems pretty straightforward you know you, it's like a, a beam sword and then what is this what's the deal with this wasp thing or <laughs> the tick gun the tick the tick gun yeah have you have you you have tried it yeah yeah I've tried it I'm just, yeah I like it I like the weapon I'm just like where the fuck did you dream this up so. it, well that's uh, that's uh I. I'm not sure if it was was it my idea because uh, when it comes to designing these weapons, I just at least I personally just I want to th- think something that's just so ridiculous, something we maybe maybe have seen or maybe not have seen, but but basically just uh, try to make it a little bit wacky because all the basic guns, well, they are they are pretty basic, like pistol, shotguns, revolver, like that kind of stuff. It's all it's all it's all familiar, but the magical weapons they kind of have to stand out. I know I want them to stand out, and it's kind of at least I per, my, I personally think that it's gonna be like a, a people just probably pick favorites out of them and just like to use those, and that's I think that's perfectly okay. I kind of like it. I mean, I'm still gonna at least personally I'm gonna like strive to make every single of them as good as it possibly can be but uh to answer your question about the tick and where where did i get the idea where did we get the idea well they constantly keep uh here in finland like warning uh if you go into the forest beware of ticks because mm-hmm. they can give you diseases and such yeah sure and it's just like what if we had a gun that such that that just shoot ticks onto people then they just <laughs> Crawl and explode. It's basically that. Yeah, and also it was just like uh, we had this, or we have kind of this idea of the magical weapons being organic in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sword isn't that much, really, but uh, other than that, they all are gonna have some kind of a weird uh, alien organism thing going on with them and i thought the explosive design was 
fun. So we just had to come up with something that like supports that thing. So I don't know, a tick, why not? It'd be cool we- if the tick actually like hit the person and then drained them completely of all of their blood and just shriveled them into nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's also something we had in mind, I think, or at least I, I thought about it, but uh, for reasons, it's easier to do, do it this way. <laughs> and it's also fun to look at them when they run around and run into other guys and then explode in, in the middle of a like, bunch of them. But yeah, there were a lot of ideas how to make it like uh, interesting. Yeah, just wait to give away any of the other ideas that you have for these. Well, I know. Well, I could basically maybe keep two ideas. Well, these are just ideas at the moment, so I have no idea mm-hmm. how they're actually going to turn out in the end. But uh, well, I mean. Because all of the weapons basically represent the, uh, they basically somehow represent the weapon that's on the same slot. Like uh, the knife turns into a sword, the revolver turns into a well, tick revolver. So what are we gonna do with the shotgun? Well, easy way would be probably okay. Let's just make a super shotgun. Nah, but that's boring. We have, there's a lot of super shotguns. Let's make something a bit more, uh, bit more. Uh, dif- different basically what if what if the shotgun could clear uh how would you put this in english basically have a 180 degrees radius per shot okay that's basic that's what i that's what we had kind of in mind and uh what if they what if instead of one shotgun you would have two shotguns it's really hard to put in the words but uh I'm kind of excited to get to work on those. And uh, as soon as we have something, I'm pro- we're probably going to tweet about it and show it. But that's the core idea for the shotgun. Basically have it uh, clear some rooms. Okay, so the, each of the magical weapons will sort of be like a, a a different organic representation of one of the pre-established weapons. Is that what I'm understanding? Kind of, yeah. So like, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. And, and there uh, may be multiple options of them. Cause, uh, just looking at the screen now, it seems like the, you know, there there's more than four <laughs> of these. Yeah, so basically you have uh, a magical weapon for every basic weapon slot. Okay. So you're going to have eight basic weapons and eight magical weapons. And then you're going to be able to unlock them at certain intervals during the game. And basically... In the full game, the idea is that you can unlock them in any order you want so that you get some replay value out of it and also kind of you can unlock what you want to play with on like other playthroughs and try different stuff. I really like a lot of the the puzzle solving. It's it's not like an overtly a puzzle game in any way, but like as you make your way through some of the levels, it really feels like, okay, I've got to figure out, you know, how to get to the next place or whatever. And and some of them, even the secrets, like kind of requires you, I, I believe there's an area where you have to like climb all the way to the top of this tower to find a key. And then if you jump off of it, you know, you can go over a fence and into a secret area and then climb on top of buildings and such. And that 
really felt like actually quite cool, but like almost, uh, une- I should say unexpected from a game like this. It totally took me into a, a new area of exploration that I didn't expect to see. And like, is that going to be a big priority for you guys is to have a lot of exploration in these maps or is that just like a once in a blue moon sort of thing? I think we're going to keep, keep uh, trying to push. If I like it, basically, it's basically how it works. Basically when I do, do the levels, it's just, uh, I'm making some, let's say some specific part of the level. I'm just thinking would be really cool if there would be secret here and here. It's basically what comes to mind, basically. So I'm, we're gonna try and keep the freak, uh, levels as uh, somewhat secret heavy, not too much, but uh, still a lot. Do you, uh, when you're like creating a level, do you design it with the combat areas already in mind? Like I'm, I'm gonna build a level around what I want you to accomplish here, or is it more like a start with the structure and then work the combat in afterwards. Well, it's funny because I, it actually kind of, it keeps like uh, evolving all the time. I usually just, I have a rough idea what I want and I just start working on it. Then I just start trying how the combat works in the area. And I try to make it so that, okay, the combat should take priority. And uh, I'll try to, I try to make the, each of the encounters somewhat, uh, somewhat interesting. But uh, I, I usually don't just uh, just take some MPs. Okay, I'm just randomly going to put some here, 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 here. No, I usually try and put some thought into it, basically. I was talking to uh, Scarecrow the other day. He was working on, you know, Graven. He's also done, you know, everything else uh, in the Quake and Doom kind of custom mapping scene. And he was explaining to me that, like, he always designs the level first with no combat in mind so that the environment feels sort of as natural as possible because it's like, um, you know, if you build an area around combat and then try to fill in the gaps between them, sometimes it can feel like, uh, I don't know, like you'll, you walk into a room and you're asking yourself like, why am I even in this room? Like, why does this room exist? You know, why would I ever come here? Or like, what is the purpose of this part of this structure? Whereas in, and I, I can say pretty much so far, like white hell feels very much like the environment feels very natural. I don't feel like I'm doing anything that's just like overtly stupid. Oh. And then you have the added benefit of, you know, uh, when there is like a big, you know, there's an arena area. I don't want to give away too much for the audience, but area where you like have to face a bunch of enemies at one time or, or like a sort of bossish encounter. It doesn't feel like a, this doesn't make sense or that this area only exists for the sake of this fight. It feels like uh, the antagonists had this in mind and they built it into the area on purpose. So like you get to, even if you were to make that mistake, you get to kind of cheat because of the way the story works. So it's pretty cool. Oh, yes. Uh, I can say about that. Uh, it's like, I do like making the environments really pretty, to be honest. And, uh, it's like I'm trying to balance it between the gameplay and making it look pretty. But I usually want, I want the levels to actually look like that they are, aren't just video game levels, that they actually are real locations. That's why it's kind of cool. good that I'm also t- 
<laughs> usually mostly the only 3D artist. So I can like, uh, if I need some, basically I need some assets here and there, I'll just simply make them because they're low poly assets. And I, then I basically, I can just easily just, okay, I'm going to make this, so I can put this here and here and here. So I can make this whole place look more natural. And so is this like sort of based on any particular area within Finland or? Nah, not really. Okay. I, I, I don't know, man. It's just really, uh, it flows well. I don't know how to explain it. Like the level by level, everything feels very natural. It doesn't feel like, you know, like you're contriving it in any way. And <laughs> there's a, even a part where you, you know, you have like the, the sewer and it's like the, the single cleanest sewer ever conceived of. <laughs> and then it, I think you guys, I, I'm assuming you did it for Civi with a little, like, does this sewer count? Well, the core, yeah, that's uh, just uh, kind uh, of. But the core idea was just, hey, what? Oh, let's make a meme about the sewer levels. Let's let's make let's. The idea was that okay, when you get when you get to the level, you just oh shit, it's a fucking sewer level. I hate sewer levels. Then it just ends, like yeah. like right after, and just like that's the, that was the, like the whole idea behind it. Um, I don't think we're actually planning to put, put actual sewers in the game. Mm. At least so far. So, do you think that the enemies... Well, obviously, they're going to be more than there currently are, but we currently there's just like, I think, two or three different kinds of soldiers. It feels like there's the, the soldiers that are you know throw rocks at you, then there's the ones that bum rush you, and then you have the what what appear to be kind of like the equivalent of like an SS officer. Uh, they have they, they take a little bit more beef, and then you have the guys in the robot suits and the dogs. So it's very much like Wolfenstein at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, a, yeah. The the first first couple of or well, let's say the demo itself. It's is very much based on Wolfenstein, at least the levels and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh. But because that would be boring, uh, as if, if you have played like the old Wolfenstein, you probably have. But anyone else, it, it, there's like three different kinds of enemies or something like that. So uh, we thought that maybe if we bring some opposing forces into the mix, it would be more interesting. Even though we have, at least in my opinion have made it so that all of the enemies have like a place in the game Mm -hmm. and they are different enough it would still be a bit boring if only these guys were in the whole game yeah i mean they definitely have to have more and evolve over time especially considering the uh the length that i'm assuming this game is going to go to you've already got four maps in the demo like a Let's just say, like, how how long do you picture the game being in total? Uh, we were talking about five to six hours, I think. Yeah, with like twenty main levels and a couple of secrets. Yeah, that makes pretty good sense. It's not like a like a Doom level. Usually, like a megawise, like thirty thirty two maps, including secrets. So. Yeah, I think that's probably really appropriate. Just from the like the level design I've seen so far, if you do twenty maps, I, I could see it going on for a pretty good amount of time. Yeah, because uh, yeah. 
I do each time I'm making a level. The whole I like there's this one thing, one principle that I I really want to follow, and specifically I really don't want any level to feel the same. Yeah, and they don't so far. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. But uh, to add to the enemy thing is that um, well, I could pay, well I don't think it's a secret at this point, but uh, when you do get to chapter two. It's going to throw out most of the enemies in Chapter 1, and there's going to be a host of new enemies to contend with. You guys are kind of hinting at it, but yeah, it feels like we have the current bad guys that are like the, I don't know, like fascist overlords. And then I'm assuming the oppositional force will also be disagreeable to the protagonist. Of course. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's kind of cool. It's like not something you see every day where you're, you're... you know, what you assume are the main enemies get replaced. Yeah, yeah. so uh, basically it's kind of a, a bait and switch or a joke, kind of, mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, there's this really bad Nazis or whatever, and you're going to have to fight this whole game with them as the main enemy, and then just the second chapter begins, and then all of the Nazis are gone, <laughs> and then there's this whole new enemy, and... uh I think it kind of flips the thing on its head a bit, you know, because in a, in a lot of games you play with the same enemies the whole time, and it it yeah it might get boring as I said before, but uh, here we kind of have this uh, thing going on where the uh, enemies change between the chapters, even later on. So uh, I hope it makes it more interesting and more fun to play with different kinds of people. Not not like uh, not only visually different, but also mechanically different. Yeah, and it's going to resonate with people. You know, I, I from the way you talk, you seem like you're not like I, I'm not a big political guy or anything like that. But it's going to be funny when you have this come out and you see how different people react to it in terms of like what it means to them, how the art is interpreted by the person, yeah. you know, consuming it. It's like, yeah, yeah. Right off the bat, like the first question is like, Oh, what if we're going to replace the Nazis, what could be worse than Nazis? It's gotta be like fucking demons from outer space. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, yeah. Without spoiling anything, that's, that's, yeah. that might be the, uh, answer, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's, uh, not, like what's worse than something it's more like hey here's a different thing that's o- that's also bad mm-hmm. uh and uh i don't know the the story in the game is very corny and like stupid and the lore is all over the place so i'm not expecting people to take it very seriously uh even from the first moments like yeah you're waking up on your toilet floor with beer bottles all over your, all over the place, right? And then you just grab a knife and <laughs> get to kicking people. So I'm not expecting many people to like look very much into what everything means. No, mechanics-wise, what we've seen so far is like it's not too complicated. You know, from a physics standpoint, you just have a, a walk speed, a run speed. Jump, you know, no fall damage, but you you do have some, you know, platforming you can fuck around with. And then you have the 
kicking mechanic that allows you to like send enemy projectiles back into their faces, which includes not just rocks, but like rockets even, which was hilarious to me. And like, do you guys have any other plans for, you know, mechanics like this, or is it just going to kind of stay what we have so far? Uh, it's going to stay pretty like, mm-hmm. uh, the same just because it, it looks like it works and it's easier to like, um, or I think it's more interesting to use already existing mechanics in new ways rather than just put in more stuff or more buttons you can use. So it's not really the mechanics that are going to change, but uh, what you're, you can do with them, I'd say. Okay. We'll, we'll leave that cryptic and I won't dig any further since... <laughs> yeah, it, it's more that I, I haven't really... Uh, figured out what we're going to do with them yet okay. but uh that's kind of the plan yeah no i love it man it's like it, as you said it's really silly it's not meant to be taken super seriously but i i guarantee you people will especially sure. as, well, as it comes out and they learn to love it and when they do pe- when people love something they're going to get you know up in arms about it at some point it's going to oh, be yes. interesting to see that's fine it's just really cool, man. I don't really have anything else other than just to say, like, this game is fucking cool. It resonates yeah. with me, personally, so. Thanks for that. Yeah, it's much, much appreciated. Do you have any uh, other kind of thoughts that you want to share about the game, or just about yourselves or anything before we get out of here? Hmm. We're about 45 minutes into the conversation, so it's not a big deal either way. I don't know. Check out the Steam page. Wishlist <laughs> on Steam. Yep, I don't have anything to say about myself. My games speak for me. <laughs> As a great artist, I am. I don't know. Well, also, uh, don't only play FPSs. Play something else than retro FPSs for a time. I just want to say this. <laughs> I uh, I don't think anybody that listens to this show is guilty of that. I hope not. Because <laughs> there's so many great games out there. Like I, yeah, I hope that too. But it just. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna get into that, but no. What what's up? Tell me what you think. I uh, just my uh, dislike of communities in general. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I I I have to say the retro game or the retro FPS community is one of the best ones I've seen. I'd say uh, it's just that with communities, there's always tribalism and rules uh, and uh taboos and that kind of stuff and i don't like that so uh yeah definitely branch out like <laughs> yeah yeah don't just stuck to what you know play something else but please play our game <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah don't do this but but do do play my yeah, game yeah, yeah approach up okay. why don't you bake some more <laughs> yeah sure sure <laughs> let me let me just let me just not be in school so I can make games. Well, I'm looking forward to the way this game comes out. I'm sure it's going to be fucking epic when it does. And then I'm also looking forward to watching you guys grow as a developing team or just individuals or whatever you end up doing. It's like, if you can do this as your first project, I mean, the sky's the limit. And, oh, yeah. you know, eventually maybe the, the crowdsourcing rules will change or you'll live in a place that, 
you know, is a little more open to that and you can make millions of dollars and retire in Ireland with uh, John Romero, drive Ferraris around, all that good shit. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be amazing. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, we already kind of have our next project. Well, we have some thoughts about our next project, but it's so hard to actually plan anything at this stage because we have no idea how the game is going to go. And uh, let's just hope we can actually get somewhere with this. Let's do the math. If you guys put it up on Steam, you make the uh, make the little achievement cards, do a pretty okay job of promoting it. I mean, you'll probably make about minimum ten grand. I mean, I don't know how much money you're spending on putting it in there, but if you turn a profit on that at all, that's a net benefit for you. No, and well, then... <laughs> profit isn't hard on this game to turn, but yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Because, uh, because, uh, well, the only thing so far we have actually like uh, we have have had to like uh, spend money so far for the uh, promo art and uh, the Steam page. Naturally, we do have to throw ha- uh, Hakita some money, of course, as as like uh, when we do get some for because he does amazing music to the game. But aside from that, I don't think we really have like at the moment like uh, anything else that uh, sucks money from us. So then, you know, let's say you make make that minimum ten grand, or let's say you know even better, it's such a hit that you make you know fuck loads of money. Who knows? But let's go with that as the bare minimum, and then you work on your next project and your next project. And you know, like each of these will be a you know steady source of some sort of income, and then each time you put out something new. People will be like, who's this dev team? And they'll go back and they'll buy everything you ever had. So, I mean, staring down the barrel, it seems like a, a long shot, but you know, you could really make a living at this for sure. It's, there's, especially like as an indie developer, because, you know, someone's not taking most of your profit. Or yeah. you could Im- impress people in the right place and, you know, get hired at one of the good places. That, you never know, man. Anything could happen. The, yeah. Unlike in the future in your game, there there is a bright future ahead of you, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. It's like, uh, well, at least uh, how I basically try to do this stuff. I'll I'll just keep working on it, and I'll keep beating my head against the wall till the wall wall cracks or my head cracks. Let's hope my head doesn't crack during this. It probably won't. Well, try not to, because if you fuck your head up, then you probably won't be able to sit down and create anymore. You'll be too stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, seriously, like, this this is a beautiful thing. It's always, always super cool to talk to you guys like you, and I, I hope to see you back on the show again as you go into early access and release the full game and all that. You're welcome anytime, both of you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. No problem. And uh, guess I could, uh, aside from shilling Hakira, of course. Um, do you have any project you want to give a shout out to? No, I don't believe in the force of promotion. You're insane. <laughs> what are some of the again? Migo is going to be the spokesperson. You you just keep yeah, programming, yeah. robot boy. Oh, oh, oh God! I have to actually <laughs> promote stuff. Yes. Well, Shit. 
you need a you need a guy who can just be be the robot with all the weird opinions and do do the work and then you need the guy who can sell the product that he makes because he doesn't believe that it can be sold <laughs> you need yeah. a you need a john romero and you need a, a john carmack you need a yin and yang you need both sides of the coin yeah but no man it, it it's beautiful it's a good thing i'm really proud of it and uh, i can't wait to hear more so oh, yeah but uh if uh if i could Shield some games, uh... Please. In fact, we could have ProJab give us a whole list of non-retro FPS games people have to play, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to pick one from all of these fantastic games. Well, uh, I have no idea if the guy is actually listening, but the Project Warlock was freaking amazing. I want to see more from that team. And, uh, of course, of course, I I have no idea also... But uh, if the guy is listening, but uh, Sauna Two Thousand, that's 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 a game that's a game of culture. We share some, some similar things. You see, it's uh, I'm not sure if you know about the game. Send me a link, man. If there's something I haven't heard of, I'd like to know about it. Yeah, uh, let me. I'll put it. By after. the way, we're, if it feels like I'm trying to cut you off, I'm not. Like we can talk as long as you want to. Ah, don't worry. Just... I just have a habit of you know, uh, uh, you talking like this. <laughs> I'm okay. slightly nervous, just slightly. There's no reason to be nervous. I am not. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's just how I am. Um, how I am, I really. If I actually had to, you know, come up to a state someday for some reason, I would just probably just be like this and <laughs> do some twitching. But that's just how I am. But yeah, I'll send you a link about that game. It's a very interesting Finnish game. It, it, it shares some similar things with us, I think. But yeah, <laughs> your turn, Projap. I don't know, man. Play Rusty Lake. It's a cool series of like point-and-click adventure games with puzzles. And uh, yeah, that's it. Don't play anything else. Do <laughs> you know what? The cover art for White Hell like actually reminds me of Full Throttle when you're talking about point-and-click adventure games. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't played that one, but it, it's yeah, I can see the similarities. It's a classic. Like it's such a classic, man. Like, but you know, big muscular guy, sunglasses, riding on a motorcycle through canyons and stuff. Yeah, it's, I'll have to look that one up. I, I really like. There, it's starting to kind of like make a resurgence, but I wish there were more. You know, point and click adventure stuff out there right now. I, I should probably look into it. There's probably more than I know. Like, have you guys uh, seen the the DreadX collections that have been coming out from Dread? Yeah, I, I played the first one. I I have the second one, but I haven't played it yet. The second one, there's, I mean, enjoy them. But there's this one game in it called uh, Sucker for Love, and it's like a uh, like a point and click waifu simulator. Oh yeah, yeah, I and know yeah. that one. I mean, absolutely fan. And like, you know, I, I can be kind of shoehorned into like, yeah, I'm extremely enthusiastic about retro shooters and stuff like that. But like, I, I like all sorts of games, especially that, you know, that's been a great avenue for me to explore different genres, even though it's all technically horror. Um, I'm a huge even, uh, horror fan. Yeah, yeah. Like Resident Evil Four is my all-time favorite game. I have a tattoo from it. And, oh, uh, I have a uh, I have a tattoo from Resident Evil Three, actually. 
Yeah, what is it? Uh, it's the UBCS logo on my arm. Nice. Yeah, that's a. I, I have just the umbrella. It's not that impressive. But... Yeah, well, still, uh, Resident Evil is an awesome series. Yeah. And I, I may. Uh, that's. Uh, well, I'm quickly just gonna throw this here because uh, I kind of. It's probably people might not notice, but there. Uh, you mentioned the level three boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason why he drops from the helicopter. Okay. If, if you have played Resident Evil 2, Chapter B, you will know what I mean. So it's like so fucking good. The whole series, like, I don't know. I'm really happy with some of the recent stuff they've done with the remakes. Like, I was really happy with the first remake. The second one's still cool. Third one, not that Resident Evil 3 was ever, like, the best game ever to begin with, but, like, what they've done with that one really scares me in terms of... Because they're about to remake my favorite game of all time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you kind of hit that... You kind of hit my point as well. I think the best remake you see is only the first Resident Evil remake. It's just the best. Yeah, and they're yeah re- it's... Preserve the original gameplay, but just, you know, give it some fresh look. That's all I need. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what I also wanted. Uh, but uh, still, as in its own own game and a reimagination Resident Evil 2 remake is a hell of a good time. And uh, I just want because you guys were talking about the point and click games. I don't usually play point and click games. There is only one point and click game and it's not even a finished product. And that's the cancelled Warcraft Adventures <laughs> game. That's some weird like, uh... shit I haven't even heard about. I'll, say, I'll send you a video. It, it, I'm just, I just, I just also really like Warcraft. It's kind of my jam next to Resident Evil. Have you seen this? Uh, are you familiar with a developer named Pansats? No, I'm not. He, I don't even, I don't know if it's a he or a she or whatever, but this person uh, was most famous for this game called The World of Horror, which is like a one-bit uh, kind of H.P. Lovecraft-style story game. And they also made a game for Dread X Collection number two, I want to say. It was really, really cool. But it's called, uh, what was it called? It's killing me right now. I'll look it up. I don't remember the name of it right now. It's kind of embarrassing. But essentially, it's a sort of top-down, um, what's, what's the art style called where it's all just like letters on a keyboard? I don't know if it's an art style. It is. But like a rogue style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you walk around and it's kind of got like this 80s Camp Crystal Lake sort of vibe. And you slowly like uncover a story through different characters' lenses. But it's, you know, like super retro. Very, very, very simple game. Like even stuff like that, like stuff that you could make, like a one-person dev team can make in no time at all, can be really, really interesting. And now, like we have more technology than we had, you know, when people were originally making these games. That that's what's exciting to me about the retro genre in general. It's not necessarily that I just love retro graphics, but I do. But it's not that. It's that with the computing power, any one person who's creative enough can be extremely, you know proficient and take that genre or that style to a whole new level that 
previously. It couldn't be. And it keeps the price point low for the consumer. So you get to support an indie developer and not have to deal with the whole, you know, AAA. I don't want to pay $60 for a game that ultimately disappoints me because a million different people had their hands on it and fucked up the original creative design, if that makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, long enough tangent for me. <laughs> yes, that's something I can respect. I'll have to see about that game. You have to send me a link about it. I'll check it out. I should check the whole Dreadx collection, to be honest. Uh, it's kind of just... It's been something I should get to, but I just haven't had the time. It's good stuff. Really. Like, I, I have a pretty decent relationship with the Ted, who runs Dread XP in general. And mm-hmm. he, you know, originally turned me on to it. And it's, it's like his, like, you know, baby, the whole idea of, let's have, you know, this compilation thing. I, I mean, there have been game compilations before. There's always, like, you know, horror, horror jams and, you know, like map jams and all this kind of stuff going on. But, to do what they're doing with it is quite unique and to be able to sell it and, you know, pay the developers and, you know, give a portion of it to charity and everything. It's beautiful. I, I do love that. Yeah. I think it works, works very well for horror because uh, a lot of the problem in horror games for me, at least is that they're too long and the tension is gone at some point in the game. So when you have like this very short experiences, uh, you know, it's it's a meme at this point, but you know the fear of the unknown. Uh, when even the mechanics are unknown to you in some cases, uh, it's really like uh, makes the experiences more interesting, and they last better when they are in like small doses. I think yeah, yeah. I don't know, horror in general is better, you know, if it's short-lived. Because, I mean, there are good games, obviously, like, we've named a few that are, like, quite long. But even, like, Resident Evil 4, it's, like, it's not that it's horrifying all the way through. But, yeah, it's, like, it becomes more about the the puzzle-solving at a certain point. So you have to have, like, that mixture to keep it going on for a long period of time. Yeah, and with experimental games, you know, you can do stuff for a shorter time that wouldn't work for a longer game in general like some weird mechanics that wouldn't support a full game. But in a short period of time, they really can be interesting and uh, fun. Or in the case of horror, like actually scary or at least uh, tense. By the way, the, the game I was talking about earlier by Pansats is called The Thing in the Lake. It's quite good. The Thing in the Lake. Oh, yeah. Write this down. Good stuff all the way through here. This looks cool. Kind of like the, um, what is it, the uh, faith. Yeah. Faith aesthetic with the like weird retro graphics. You need anything from uh, Airdorf, you just hit up your old buddy Hakita and be like, hey, hit up your coworker. But yeah. Airdorf is fucking amazing. Like his. Like the rotoscoping animations that he's capable of doing in like such a low poly form, like because I believe he's a uh, actually going to school for some kind of animation, because uh, he he's like a film guy, and that shit just absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's really cool how with such little like 
graphical information. Mm -hmm. You can make them look very creepy and very real with like the movements and kind of stuff. Do you guys intend to, you know, work in a more of a double triple A kind of format in the future or are you, do you just genuinely like the, like the retro style of white hell? Go ahead first, because I'm not sure about my answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if I had a bigger team, why not? Because, uh, well, I dare say I, I do like, because I know how to basically 3d model, decent looking characters and such. But uh, I would really, have, we would really have to have a bigger team, to be honest. Yeah, and it's just like uh, it, this, this was a really good call to just keep the art style like a really simple because it's easy to make stuff. And despite that, how easy it's like, it kind of can look and seem. There's still a lot of new stuff that has come up. For example, last night when we were fighting with some animations. What's yeah, I don't know. Uh... I I would be comfortable with like staying in the indie scene as long as I as I could because I really like the freedom of doing what you want or actually actually doing what you want. Yeah. And uh also the responsibility like hey this is my game it's my responsibility to make it good or my team's responsibility to make it good. And I'm making it good because I want it to be good, not because some publisher wanted to make money. It's it's very idealistic and kind of, I don't know, you hear it a lot, but I, I really believe it. So I don't know, it's true to me. I mean, but, you, you know, figure out a way to make make a living while, you know, keeping yourself in that area of, positive creativity that you want to be in then i think you definitely should do everything in your power to stay within that yeah yeah sure so i've been actually thinking about it because of course we don't know how well the game is going to sell if it's going to be anything or if it's going to be enough to like fund the next project or anything like that so uh i've been thinking about like just getting a normal job doing that in the day and then just making games as a hobby and if something hits then yeah i can live off those like uh sales for a while and then there's uh, a job opening at the post office (laughs) how about no (laughs) but yeah i don't know just kind of go with the flow but also trying to Keep your own head where you want it to be. You could freelance even as a programmer and just like help people out with their projects, collect enough money to live by that, and then put all of your real effort, you know, towards your projects too. Yeah, I know that's there's plenty of people that do that. That's also a thing, but I'm very much like a or my my uh, the way I look at the games I want to make is that. I want them to be my games in some way. Yeah. But yeah, you never know what you're going to do. Right on. Well, guys, I uh, I got nothing else for you. I've had a great time chatting. I'd love to do it again in the future. So let's uh, let's make a point. Eventually, you will finish this game. Hashtag soon. And uh, when you do, 
please come back on the show and uh, tell me about all of the amazing changes that you've made since then. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. We will most likely come. <laughs> yeah. Now, you may be saying to yourself, man, what an amazing podcast. How can I support this organization who created it? Well, I'm here to tell you. We've got several options, the most important of which is to just uh, you know tell people you like it. So like, review, subscribe, share it on your social media, run outside and tell your best pal, like, hey, you got to listen to this show because it's so awesome. That would be dope. The other way to do it is to head over to inthekeep.com and click on our support page. We have several options there for you. We have Patreon. All Patreon supporters will receive an In The Keep t-shirt when they've reached $25 of accumulated donations. Doesn't matter what tier you are, you'll get something eventually. You'll also be given access to our private Discord channel, which is only for supporters. There I share all episodes early. So again, no matter what tier, no matter how much you make, how much you can afford to donate, doesn't matter. If you choose to do so, you will receive those benefits. We also have a Venmo. You can donate with credit cards, PayPal. If you just want to donate because you're a baller, that's cool. And we have a few different affiliate links for you. So we have the Amazon affiliate link, and that's just you know a basic Amazon affiliate link instead of uh, giving your money all to Jeff Bezos if you're going to shop through Amazon anyway. You can uh, just do your shopping through our Amazon link, and we'll get a little kickback from whatever it is that you buy. So consider doing that. We also have a Buzzsprout affiliate link. If you are considering making your own podcast, I personally use Buzzsprout, and they're not paying me to do this, by the way. I'm just saying I personally use Buzzsprout, and if you choose to start a podcast through Buzzsprout, go through our link, sign up, and that will also support the keep. Last of those is we have an Instacart affiliate link. If you are a, you know, a fat, lazy bastard or you just don't want to go outside during the pandemic, either way, I understand both, then you can get your groceries in less than one hour through Instacart. So go through our link on our website, sign up for Instacart, and get your groceries delivered to your door so you can keep on gaming. All of these options please the drowned god. Till next time, I love you. The drowned god Kathala loves you. The apostles of the keep love you. And I hope you have an amazing week. We'll see you back next time. But until then, stay in the keep.